Father God, we thank you for the wonderful cross where Jesus died for our sin. We are thankful for the worship this morning, reminding us of your love. And at this time, we pray again that you enter into our homes and our hearts and just really uh, allow us to experience you in a deep and personal way. And we pray that you are sovereign in all things, you know, in our struggles, in our illness, uh, in our triumph, uh, that we can see you and just pray that Again, your spirit work in all of us and allow us to come together in unity to worship you, to to meet you where we're at. And we thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to welcome you again for uh, to coming to our service this morning. And uh, it's it's really exciting that we have been studying uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, which is uh, known for a lot of description about love. You hear it a lot on weddings and lately uh, I know we have a lot of uh, uh, wedding news and, and very excited for our church uh, family. And, and so you will hear this a lot more, not just on Sundays. And, and because I think love is a huge part of who we are. And we, we love to talk about love. You know, there's a lot of love going around and we don't want to be alone and different things. And, and, and if I have a confession that I can make this morning is this, is that I'm actually not a fan of Valentine's Day. And, and to those of you who are, uh, happy Valentine's to you. Um, but I'm not a fan, you know, like I, I've never, I, I'm a weird person. There's a lot of things that I'm not a fan of. I, I feel like Valentine's Day has been commercialized and all that. So that's a different conversation. Um, but I do remember there was a time where I used to celebrate Valentine's a lot and I, I will go all out. And, and I remember that time was because I was uh, still uh, dating my wife um, at that time. And, and I, I remember uh, she was my priority. Like I really wanted to to have her, you know, like like this is the woman that I love kind of thing. So I, I do everything I can to pursue her. And there's a great desire for her. I remember uh, when I was dating her, um, you know, she was even more important than school itself, you know. And, and if you're in school right now, kids, cover your ears. Youth, cover your ears. Because, uh, you know, this is what I did. Okay, here's a confession. I will literally skip my own classes because I didn't want to go to class and they're kind of boring kind of thing. And I will somehow go to her class, uh, sit through like, you know, like hours of lectures and just kind of be with her and taking notes sometimes. And, and I remember this was uh, a chemistry class that uh, she had some struggles with. And I had taken chemistry before and I did uh, relatively well. And, and so I was there taking notes and, and afterwards I'll spend time teaching her about it. And, uh, and what I was trying to, I'm trying to tell you is this is that we have pursuits in our lives. Like we, there's things that we're going after. We really want to uh, get something. Then we'll do everything we can to get it. Uh, and in life is full of pursuits. You know, we want to have uh, different uh, goal setting and different things that we want in life. And I remember as a kid, I wanted to have uh, a lot of money. I don't know why. Ever since I was a kid, I, I wanted to be rich and I wanted to help people and I wanted to uh, cut things open. That was me. Like I, I love biology. I love everything about biology. And, and, and so I thought, you know, my, my, my purpose in life, my goal in life was to pursue an education so that I can be able to become a doctor. And, and, you know, in college, I wanted to, to really graduate and have a good life and, and just have a good job and different things. And, and, and I guess the question I have for you this morning is this, is that, that what are you pursuing in life? You know, what are you chasing after? And I think in the Bay Area, we, we have people who are chasing after unicorns, you know, not, not the mystical you know, being of unicorn, but, you know, startups, you know, where, I mean, they're just as mystical, I guess, uh, but we have all these dreams and pursuits in life. And, and, and somehow I believe in churches, we also have pursuits. 
And I think this ties into 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 to verse, uh, chapter 14. Uh, as we know, uh, in a little bit of the background of the Corinthian church, is that they were a very gifted church, and they were very smart, they were very rich, and they were uh, a city by the sea kind of thing. And so it's a port city, and, and just uh, it's a very influential city, uh, very much like the Bay Area today. And, and, uh, and we'll talk about what they were known for later on, but... Uh, I, I think at that time, the church in Corinth, a lot of brothers and sisters, um, they, they had all these gifts and they're doing all these great things at church. But at the same time, you know, Paul is really addressing, in, especially in 13, uh, some of the issues that they face. In, in 12, he's t- telling people that uh, all of you have different gifts, but let's not look at other people and say, well, I don't need your gift. You know, I, I don't think your gift is good. My gift is good. And there's a lot of comparison, uh, competitions, and, and, and just a lot of... Um, pride and ego in serving in church and and i remember a couple of weeks ago pastor yuji was talking about the first part of first uh, uh first Corinthians 13 uh where you know paul was saying that you can do a lot of great things uh, but if you don't have love then then what is the point and and i remember one of the reflection that i got from that message was really asking the question as i serve do i have love inside of me is love the motivation that drives me to serve and, uh, and then uh, Pastor Dean last Sunday, uh, really sure about, you know, this love that we are supposed to have, you know, and, and it really resonate and help me to reevaluate myself and my faith and saying that the love that, that I have, is it a worldly love or is it a, a Christ-centered love? You know, is it different than the world? Would I do things differently? Uh, Will people know that my love is from Christ? And that was my own examination uh, from last week's message. And and this week, uh, we're focusing on uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, verse 8 to 13. And if you have a Bible, just kind of take it out. We're going to go through the Bible verse by verse again. And if you don't, now's a good time to get it. Uh, And I titled today's sermon, Pursue Love. And the reason why is kind of goes back to the introduction where I feel like when we want something, when we feel like something's important, we want to pursue it. We want to chase after it. We want to uh, spend our time, you know, thinking about it, going after it and just different ways of really say this is important to me. But there is a key element. We have to understand that this thing is important. And, and, and love, we've been talking about love all this time for two Sundays. In fact, we'll be continuing to talk about uh, love throughout our uh, New Year theme, which is to love God and love our neighbor. And, and, but, but we have to ask the question, does love really matter to you and I? Because I think that's the motivating question. Like, like why should we pursue love? Because, you know, we, we know we have love, but and then what? You know, why is it so important? Kind of like me, when I felt that Kay was the most important person in my life, and I wanted to make sure that I'll do everything in my power to have it, you know, um, for uh, good reason too. You know, I wanted to have a girlfriend. I wanted to someone to, you know, eat dinner with and eat lunch with and spend the rest of my life with and, and have kids with, whatever it is. You know, there are all these good reasons to, to really pursue that love. Um, and this Sunday, I think Paul uh, in, in verse 8 uh, to 13 really kind of appeals to us and saying that why is it that we should pursue love? You know, because there's, so, there's so many pursuits that we can have in life. You know, we can pursue a career, we can pursue a family, and we can pursue all these things. So many different pursuits. And, and so we have to say, he's trying to appeal to us, say, here's the, some of the reasons why I think you and I should pursue love, because that's what really matters. And, and so we'll be uh, spending a little time studying that. And again, this is a good time to really get your Bible. And we're going to go uh, verse by verse. And, and one of the things that I ask myself is, as a Christian, what are some of our pursuits? You know, and, and what are the things that we chase after church, in, in church? 
And uh, I think sometimes, um, you know, looking at the church in Corinth and our own church today, uh, we have people who have holy ambitions, you know, you know it's what uh, we, we coined it, I guess, uh, seeing that we have this desire to do something great for the church or at church. And sometimes we'll go for seminary training. Sometimes we'll be heavily involved in different ministries and, you know, like uh, maybe VBS or Sunday school or uh, Bible study. And so we, we serve. And, and sometimes I do ask the question, you know, what is behind that motivation? What is the reason that we, you know, why we serve? And, and, uh, and even as a pastor, you know, sometimes I, I ask myself when I serve at a church, what is really my ultimate goal? Why am I serving the church? You know, is it so that I can uh, garner respect or, you know, maybe one day write a book, I don't know, and, and you know, have a, a good job or have a large church that have people listen to me? What, what are the reasons, you know, because we have so many different pursuits, you know, and, and sometimes I think we need to uh, come back to the Bible and, and kind of discern and clarify for ourselves you know, what matters and what should we seek after? And uh, spoiler alert, I think Paul is going to tell us that we should pursue love above all things. And, and that is, again, the theme of today's message, really just saying, how, why should we pursue love and why does it matter? And um, so let's go to verse 8. And this is what it says. It says that love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away as well. And, and, and so I think the first thing that Paul is trying to appeal to us is this, is that, that love, by comparison, it's the thing that never ends. It, it lasts forever. It's everlasting. It never fails. It just goes on and on and on. So he's giving us this example. Is this that prophecy, knowledge, and tongues, all these gifts, maybe they were high on the list of the church in Corinth, and which we'll see in 14, they, they are high on the list. Because these things, you know, they, they kind of knowledge puffs up, right? You know, makes you feel good. You know, as a pastor, I'm guilty to say this. I wish I'm a better preacher. I wish that I am a better communicator. I wish on my Sunday sermons, people will be like, man, I, I can't wait to listen to, to Jim to preach about the word of God. But the reality is this. I know I'm not there, you know, but but sometimes uh, because of that, that desire for that, that ability to to preach the word, you know, sometimes we, we get into all the nitty gritty stuff and then we, we want to make the sermon so perfect. Okay. And so that people will listen, you know, like, you know, there are like literally tons of books about how to do a great message. I was listening to a podcast on, you know, how to uh, just deliver a great story kind of thing. And, and so I, I do want to improve, but, but I, I like how Paul here is saying this is that as for prophecies, you know, like prophecy in a sense is like preaching, you know, telling people about the desire and the will of God and they'll pass away, you know, and in tongues, you know, like, like, you know, some people have different views about tongues, you know, some people think it's an angelic voice, uh, a language kind of thing, or some people just think it's a, a, a different tongue, like a different language from a different group of people. Uh, regardless, you know, they one day they all disappear, like they will cease. We don't speak it anymore. And knowledge, you know, too, will pass away. And I think knowledge is the simple one for us to grasp because the truth is, you know, like what we know today might be obsolete, you know, 50 years later. You know, a lot of things will just kind of continue to, um, you know, the te technology will improve, our knowledge will improve, our science and everything. So, so we will develop new things and, and all these great things. But Love never ends. Um, as some of you know, like I, I think uh, most Asian American churches, well, Chinese churches, uh, there's a famous person that we all know, and his name is Hudson Taylor. 
And he's really known by the Chinese people as one of the greatest missionaries ever to China. And, and, and he's not the first missionary uh, to be sent uh, to China to do gospel ministry, but he is probably perhaps the most influential missionary. And uh, he was known for his love for the Chinese people. It wasn't his great messages. You know, I, I actually never really heard his message or there's no record of his messages like Charles Spurgeon, uh, you know, people like that. But really what, what really st uh, stood out for me is they talked about the way he loved the Chinese people and how he sacrificed, how he became one of them. It really reminded me of John 1, where it says that the word became flesh, and the flesh, I mean, the, the flesh dwelt among us, the, the word dwelt among us to be with us, to, to go uh, understand the, every uh, struggle and aspect of our lives. And, and when I think of Hudson Taylor, I think of that love that he had. He withheld nothing, you know, he really went into a foreign place and, and became one of the people so that he can share uh, the love of God to the people there. And even like today, we're still talking about it, you know, and, and I just feel like love is something that that's, has a, a lasting legacy, you know, and how many times have you and I heard from, you know, great preachers or apologists or whatever it is in evangelists and, and somehow something happened and they fall from grace. And I'm not saying that the Hudson Taylor doesn't have any his, his issues, but I am saying that the legacy of love really cannot be tarnished in that sense. And, and so Paul really, again, is appealing to us and saying that, guys, what are you chasing after? Are you chasing after prophecies and tongues and, and knowledge? All these things, they will pass away. But if you chase after love, that's something that you can hold on to forever. That is a, a legacy. That is something that God valued. And now you can really just say, man, this thing, this, this love that I possess, this love that I give out will really impact the world and impact my own life. And it goes on to the next verse. Uh, it says, verse 9, it says, For we now know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And again, Paul is appealing to us about that, that, that you know, whatever we're chasing right now, these things, it's like we barely understand what we're chasing. Okay, that's one of the things. And second is that even if we do have it and if we think we're doing a great job, one day it will really partial away, uh, pass away because it's only partial knowledge. And the perfect, when it comes, uh, that partial, which is, there's no point for it. And it might sound a little confusing, but allow me to kind of explain this, you know. Um, and I have a confession, you know, again, I have many confessions and, and maybe other pastors will not agree with me, but I'm going to tell you something that I really feel truthfully about me and preaching as a pastor is that a lot of time preaching is a guessing game. Uh, allow me to say that again. Sometimes I feel like preaching is a guessing game. And why do I say that? Uh, when, when, and when I share a message, even today's message, right? We're talking about Paul and, and what he's trying to teach us about love. The reality is I'm not Paul. I can only take all the information that I have and I pray and I pray for insights and the spirit and all these things. But I, I can't really know for sure, okay? This is exactly what Paul wants to say. Because he's from 2000 years ago and, and even the application and all the, the exegesis I have done, you know, like, I don't know. I, I just don't know for sure. But here's the thing. One day in this, the perfect comes, I think the representation here means that when Christ come again, okay, that, that we will know everything. So therefore that partial will pass away. It means that we no longer have to guess, okay, because one day when, when Christ returns, okay, if I have questions about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
I can just talk to Paul. I, I no longer need to guess. I no longer need to try my best to explain something. Uh, the reality is this. Uh, when we look at 1 Corinthians 13, you know, uh, Pastor Dean and myself and Yuji, we actually had a discussion just kind of say, hey, what do we think this is really about? And I feel like we have a consensus, but, you know, the way we preach it, the way we, um, you know, get something out of it is all very different. And that's the partial in the, the partial here, in parts, like we prophesize in part, because we just don't know. And, and what is the purpose, in a sense, Paul is saying, that, that, that we're chasing after something that it might just evaporate one day. That, that's just only partial. It's imperfect in a way. And it just, we only see parts of it, and yet we spend so much time on it. And why are we doing that, you know? And we should really just focus on what really matters, something that the Bible tells us that will last forever, which is love. So let's chase after that. Let's not chase after things that will kind of be obsolete, you know, one day. Let's chase after something that will continue to have an impact in our life. It, because all these things that we love doing at church, you know, one day we will do a much better job in heaven. Like, like worship. Like I imagine in Revelation tells us that we'll praise God, right? I mean, my I, there's a reason I don't leave worship because my voice, my uh, my musical musical skills is just really not there. But I imagine this. One day when I go to heaven, my voice will somehow be perfect. You know, my worship will somehow be perfect. And and all these things. And I just recognize that, that we a lot of times are chasing after things that eventually will lose its meaning and its purpose. And so, so Paul here, I think he's really encouraging us to refocus again and saying that, Love lasts, okay? And, and whatever you and I are chasing today, let's make an assessment, okay? Will they still matter when Christ returns, okay? The prophecy, the tongue, the knowledge, you know, like the church size, you know, like the your salary or the, the, the house that you live in, you know, all these things. Will they still matter when Christ returns? And ultimately, you know, what is the lasting legacy that you want to leave behind? And so I think for me, when I look at this verse, and I just have to remind myself in my pursuit to be a better pastor, okay? And I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I focus so much on studying and learning new skill sets, I forget to love. I forget to, to care for the people, the very people that God has called me to shepherd. And I think loving the people is a huge part of being a shepherd. And I'm still learning that. And I'm guilty of you know, re, you know, focusing on the wrong things. And I pray that, that I will refocus. And I know I'm trying to refocus on the things that matter. And again, Paul is appealing to us, that is love. We should pursue after love. And in verse 11, it says that when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And I, I really like this, this, this third appeal that Paul is really giving us in a sense. He's saying that, by the way, guys, Pursue love because, you know, if you understand the importance of love, I think there's a maturity for Paul. He kind of understands now why love matters above all things. And he's saying that, that, you know, now I'm an adult, you know, I give up what I used to chase after. And if you know what Paul said about his past, he's a, a very educated person, right? He is, uh, you know, he's like a Pharisee, you know, he studied under like great teachers and he had a, a zealous heart for persecuting Christians because he thought he was doing the right thing. So he was doing all these things. And he says that, that because of Christ, they are all rubbish. I don't care about them anymore. I, I Now he's saying that all these things that you can do, all these gifts that you can have, all these riches and knowledge and, 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 and all these things, they don't matter. Only love matters. 
And he says that, that if you don't get it, right, it's perhaps you and I are still immature in our walk. And maybe it is time for us to grow up and, and say, well, you know, what is maturity in faith look like? You know, what, what is the, the ultimate goal of a Christian as we progress in our journey of faith? And, and, and this is a very interesting thing because recently this just happened. Uh, you know, part of my Christmas celebration with my family, we're not a, a gifting family. Like I love Christ and his birth kind of thing. But again, you know, I'm, a, I'm like the Grinch. Like I, I don't really celebrate Christmas because I feel like it's commercialized kind of like Valentine's Day. But here's the thing. I, so I, I decided, you know, we'll give them little things, you know. So I, I made a bunch of punch cards for them to like vouchers to redeem. Um, and then so uh, I also give them each a pack of gum because I know they love gum. So we kind of introduce gum to them. Uh, you know, officially this past Christmas. And they each got a pack, you know, it's a three pack and they got one pack each. And then uh, ja, uh, Kate and I will share a pack. And then, so they they really love gum. Like they're like, gum is the best invention ever. Like they love gum. And then, so it was funny. They tried to ration it, you know, they tried to like cut it in halves and just like, you know, have one in the morning and then have one in the afternoon and whatever it is. And, and, and so my younger one, like she finished her pack of gum, like 15 sticks in like a week right and my older one was a little better it was funny it was so cute that that she purposely placed the gum somewhere far away out of sight out of mind kind of thing so that she won't be tempted to to grab onto it all the time and but eventually she, she ran out too and then uh you know i i used to love gum but then that pack of gum it's just like i, I mean it's a pack of gum so it's been sitting at one of our coffee tables and then uh, they've been hiding that thing for like the last month. Like literally, they were like looking at it. They, every now and then they're like, dad, can we have it? Dad, can we have it? And, uh, you know, so they earn money, you know, uh, and also receive money for uh, you know, other people and different things. So they have money and, and they have this concept of saying this one day to me. They're like, dad, can we buy that pack of gum from you? Uh, and, and I'm like, why? Like, you know, why would you want to buy my gum? You know, like, and, and they started to say, how much will you sell it? How much will you sell it? Because they really want that pack of gum, right? So they're like, hey, how much, how much do you want? How much do you want, dad? Like, like, I'll give you like 20 bucks or whatever it is. They, they, they started to throw out some numbers that was so ridiculous. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, so I, I, I didn't want to do that, right? So I'm like, I was kind of half teased, half kidding around. Like, you know, this pack of gum will be a thousand dollars, right? And they're like, oh, I don't have a thousand dollars. You know, they're like so sad and disappointed. And then uh, three days ago, uh, my younger one came to me and they were trying to negotiate with me again about this pack of gum. And they really want that pack of gum, right? So uh, so I've been teaching them how to, you know, like keep a record of their finances. And then so so there's a, a page in their journal uh, There has like in, out, balance, and then the notes, right? And then so she uh, put a date on and then she put out $10, okay? And then the notes on why this $10 is going away is to buy pack of gum from dad right so she had this plan like she's like i'm ready like like if i give that money then he has to sell me that gum right so he brought this she brought this book to me and she showed it to me he's like dad here i minus ten dollars take my ten dollars and give me that pack of gum and my older one she was like no you can't do that i want that pack of gum and then so they have all this thing and then i was laughing i was telling Kay, like hey Kay, what do i do like like this gum thing it's just like it's getting crazy and I was like, should I sell it to them for 10 bucks? And then uh, Kate's like, that's just mean, you know, like, why would you like trick your kid like that? You know, and and, and then I was thinking, I was like, I, I'm, I need to teach them a lesson, right? Because I feel like they don't understand. So so Kay told Karina, it's like, hey, you know, gum is really cheap. You don't need to pay dad 10 bucks. Like, it's not worth 10 bucks. So she came back with a number. She, she came back, she crossed out that 10 and she put a four. 
And she's like, dad, you know what? I will only give you $4 now because mom says that, you know, it's not worth 10 bucks, right? And, and bear with me, the story, there's a somewhere, to, we're going somewhere with this. Uh, and then so I, I told her, I said, no, I'm not, I'm not selling it for four bucks. And then, and then my other daughter came in and was like, you know, I'll buy for four bucks. I was like, you know what we can do? Why don't I combine your two $4 and then I'll sell you the pack of gum. You each get half, right? And then, uh, so, so for eight bucks, I sold them a pack of gum. And, uh, and they were so happy. And, and the reason why I share the story is this, that the next day I took them to Costco and we bought a, a, a big box of gum, like 18 packs, right? For like eight bucks, right? Like 50 cents each or something, right? And I, I told them a value, valuable lesson in like opportunity cost and like supply and demand, scarcity and all these things. Like, I don't know if they got it, but that's what I'm trying to get at here. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. My two girls, right? They they weren't able to see beyond the, the, the gum. They, they just really want it. And, and, and so when I was trying to tell them, teach them a lesson, I've been telling them about like why it's they shouldn't waste eight bucks or 10 bucks or 20 bucks on this pack of gum, but they didn't get it. And, and I think here's what Paul is <clears throat> trying to tell us is that sometimes in our pursuits, we really have this tunnel vision. We're thinking that, oh my goodness, like this is the best thing ever. I just need to have this. I don't care what the cost is. You know, it could be an education. It could be, uh, you know, a, a job or it could be even a person. And, and so we focus so much on this thing that's going to pass away. That has no eternal value or meaning that we don't pursue the right things. And, and, and so I think Paul, again, is appealing to us. It's like, guys, refocus, rethink about the things that you're chasing after right now, even at church. Like, what is the motivation behind you serving? You know, are you really serving for the right reason? And, and so Paul is saying that, guys, refocus, refocus. Love is the thing that we should chase after. Don't chase after all the other praises of men or, or successes or, or whatever compliments and, and, and affirmation or ego or pride and and whatever it is that you might have okay as your reason of serving let's refocus and make love the center of everything that we do and that that, that it's the only thing that is worth our sacrifice and, and, and so that we need to grow up and start seeing that and then when i read that and i resonate that's with that that's that analogy in a sense because i see my girls and and i i i hope they will understand now, you know, there are more important things in life to spend that money on a pack of gum. And I start to tell them that, that, you know, 10 bucks is a lot of money. It's like you can support a child for 10 days, you know, and then different things like that. And that's, that's again, because Paul is really urging us to grow up and see why we should love and why we should pursue love. And then verse 12, it says this for now we see in a mirror dimly, but the, then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And, and, and this is a great one. Again, Paul is using another thing to kind of persuade uh, the Corinthians to pursue love, right? And, and this time he's using the mirror. So so he's talking about like, you know, how how love, uh, you know, is everlasting and how everything else fades away. And he's like, hey, grow up, guys, you know, have a different perspective about what's of value and what's of not of value. And here he's saying that, guys, I'm going to use a mirror analogy. And then while it might seem kind of weird for us to, to say, Paul, why is he talking about mirrors here? Uh, if we do a little background digging, then you will find out that, that the city of Corinth is known for their mirrors. And their mirrors are not like the mirrors that we have today. Uh, they're really like polished metals and they're very expensive. And, and you know, it's very exclusive. Um, the, the nicer, the more 
clear, I guess, uh, the reflection, the better quality and the more expensive it is. And, and so it's something that that they were known for and then probably were very proud of making and, and even having, you know, because we know the church in Corinth, we do have people who are wealthy, um, you know, who are eating, you know, communion, you know, in the wrong way kind of thing. So, so, so they probably were very proud of this fact of mirrors, right? And, and, and I think Paul here is saying that, hey, by the way, you know, the mirror that we look at, you know, we, even the nicest mirror, like we, we can't see clearly, like the things that you take pride in, you know, the thing that you are so like, oh man, look at me with my mirrors, right? And, and look at me with my, my fancy jobs and my fancy house and my fancy ministries and whatever it is that you have. And, and Paul is saying that, hey, by the way, all these things are just kind of dim compared to what God really has in store for us. And, and, and things that we see today, again, is so uh, so um, in, so partial that we can't really know and, and, and understand the value that we have. And, and so, so Paul is really saying that we have this misplaced value in life and saying that hey, we might have this idea that we know and we see and we have, uh, you know, all these valuable things in my life, in our lives. But, but to know that whatever we do know one day is that, that it pales in comparison to what the future is, you know, and, and one day we will see when we see face to face, like I think of it this way, when you look at that, that imperfect mirror, it's still like a weird reflection, right? You know, the best way to really see a person is like face to face, you see every detail, right? And, and, and so, so one day we will understand, okay, that whatever it is that we have questions about today, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to love, one day we will know exactly why. And, and, and kind of let me explain this a little bit. Sometimes I feel like as a pastor, one of the most difficult things for me to practice is love. Um, and and I, I feel that with my brothers and sisters, I, I really, um, a pastor in the past, I remember a sister came up to me asking me, how many times do I need to forgive and love a person who I don't like, who I don't want to forgive, who I don't care for? And, and she's a great Christian woman. In fact, uh, I, I believe she uh, she she is just like a wonderful Christian who just serves in so many different ways. But yet she struggled with this love thing. And, and, and there was another sister who was uh, sharing about how, you know, a friend took advantage of her. And then just like she she just, you know, she can't come to grips for forgiving the person and she's just like now i just pray that i don't see this person because every time i see this person it triggers me and all these things and so we have all these struggle but yet god wants us to love them and sometimes it's so hard and, and people ask me why 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 and and the best answer i can give them is that that you know god wants us to do it and honestly i i think the truth is I don't really know why sometimes, you know, it's so hard to love an enemy. But Jesus said that, you know, the only way we're different from the world is to love the enemies because loving those who are like us, who are lovable, what, what good is that? You know, our father is perfect in heaven and we ought to be perfect like him. And in and, and John, you know, uh, 13, Christ, uh, Jesus said this, is like that the, the new commandment I give to you, love one another. And, and, and he wants us to love one, one another. And then that's how people know we belong to Christ. And all these things adds up. And I say, what is it? What does Christ want us to do? It's so frustrating sometimes. I don't know, but I do know one day, I know bits and pieces why we should do it but one day we will know fully and, and, and so it comes to the, the kind of like the conclusion right Paul's like let me appeal to you one last way you know like like so now faith hope and love abide these three they abide but the greatest of these is love 
And this really ties into First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 31, where Paul is like, you guys are chasing after all these spiritual gifts. You have all these things, but let me tell you the greatest gifts, okay? The greatest things, and I'll show you the most excellent way to, to excel in your giftings, okay? And I think 13 is a, a, a kind of like a, 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 you know, echoing thought of that conclusion and just saying that, by the way, the greatest things that we should really go after is like faith and hope and love. Like these are great things that we should chase after. But out of the three, the greatest is love. And it's kind of like, let's go big or go home. Like if you really want to pursue something in your life, like this is the most, like the biggest thing you can pursue after. And, and so, so for, for me, when I read this, it's like, man, I, I okay, fine. You know, like God, Paul wants us to pursue love, to have love in our ministry, to be different, to have God's love in, in our lives. But, but what does that mean? You know, how, how do we have it? You know, and, and so I, I love this verse and I'm going to conclude with this verse. And it's in first John chapter four, verse seven. And it says this, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, if I can kind of take this verse and, and you know, kind of rephrase um, it, it's basically telling us this, is that we all have it already. If you belong to God, if you are born again Christian, you're born of God, you have this love because it says that whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And, and so, so God is really not asking us to, to, to do something out of the ordinary but really a refocus of what we have already, like our priorities, like how, where do we place loving people in terms of our ministry in life, you know, like with your family, with your work, with the church people in the priorities of love is, is really what God is saying now, hey, you have this love already. This is the greatest gift that God has given to you and I. Are we using that gift? Are we trying to excel in that gift? And, you know, let's love one another because God has given us love. And sometimes I hear this, you know, so how do we love? You know, there are definitely situations where we just don't understand how to love well. And uh, I, I think the Bible does give us a priority of love. So we're going to go into a little bit of a uh, application on like, yes, I know I need to pursue love. I need to have love in my life. But what does it really look like in my own walks with Christ? And then first of all is that we have to love God. Loving God is the first and foremost thing. We have to say loving God above all things, right? And that's the, the what, uh, you know, we've talked about a few weeks ago where, you know, love God and love people and love God is the first thing. And, and second, this is that love the people that God has called you to love. That, that's the people, right? And, and the first, I think the first priority is always the people that spends the most time with you. Um, we see uh, the, the, you know, your family members, we are where to love them. And, and sometimes we do mix it, you know, uh, and then one of the trouble that we run into as Christians is that sometimes we don't know which love we're loving. Uh, allow me to explain to you, to everyone, because I, I sometimes have this issue and trouble too. I love my kids, you know, because they're my kids. Um, but sometimes I find myself loving them. Uh, by my own strength, you know, like I, I love them because I want to give them a better future and then and, and do all these things. And then there's sometimes then when I refocus on the love of God, then I realize that that what I really want for them, that love is a little different. The results different now. Um, if I were to use my humanly love, like I want them to have a great job, great education, lots of good friends and all that things. Right. But when I start to love them and try to 
kind of help them to grow in a Christ-like way, then I, I start to say, well, I really want them to feel the love of God. I really want them to have a re-emphasis on faith and an understanding and encountering of God. And, and so, so when I love them in a different way, uh, it's more complete. You know, it's not about the worldly pursuits anymore. It's not about their comfort anymore. It's really about their relationship with God. And sometimes I think this is what we need to go through is that we run out of love in life. Like, have you ever had that feeling? Like, I just can't love this guy or this person. And, you know, like they just take me for granted or they're like this bottomless pit that drains you and your love. And you're just like, I'm powerless. And sometimes we have to pray and say, is this the person that God wants me to love? But a lot of times it is because we're really trying to love out of duty and responsibility and out of our own strength. And oftentimes when I face that situation, which I do, like there are people that literally drains me when I see them and I will go and pray. I say, God, help me to discern if this is the person you want me to love at this point in my life, because I might not be ready for that. And God will give you that clarity, whether or not like you're doing this because you're supposed to do it or you're doing this because God has really called you to do it. And it could be an enemy. It could be a brother. It could be even a sibling or a family member. I don't assume that, that we ought to love like like full on all the time, because my personal experience this is that sometimes you're a time for everything and pray for that. Pray for that clarity. God, is this the person at this moment, this time that you want me to love? And if it is, and you still struggle with that, then I think there's a, a way to really resolve it. Um, and we mentioned this many, many times. We love because God first loved us. And sometimes we're running out of that ability to love is because we don't feel loved by God. And if that's you this morning, ask yourself this question, you know, do I really feel loved by God? Because you say, I, I can't love the other people. And sometimes that is because your relationship with God, it might be a relationship where you have this uh, understanding and this um, uh, formal you know, relationship. He's God, you're the son, you're the daughter kind of thing. But there's really no loving connection between you and God. Uh, and I find myself having more love to give when I go to God and reflect on his love. When I recognize the needs that I have, the brokenness that I have, uh, the, the, the weaknesses and, and, and just, you know, all these sinfulness that I possess in my own life. And, and God will come into my life and remind me of how he loves me and how he sacrificed for me and how he encouraged me to, to just kind of elevate myself in his love and just kind of immerse in that love. And when that, when that happens, I'm able to turn around and love the people that I couldn't love before. Because now I recognize that, hey, God loved me so much, you know, how can I not love this person now? And, but don't, don't make it a guilt, right? Really just, it's, it should be a motivation. And I think that's why, again, Paul is saying, pursue love, because if you have God's love in your life, nothing's impossible. Like you will be able to do crazy things for God, you know, like loving your enemy, forgiving and, and serve beyond your own capacity, getting out of your comfort zone and, and sacrifice all things for other people. If you have God's love in you, and, and that's only if God calls you to do it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should all sell our houses right now. Uh, but, but I'm saying that if God placed in you, that love will drive you to do things that you didn't know that you were capable of doing. And that's why I think love, again, is something that we need to pursue. And not just the worldly love, kind of like what Pastor Ding mentioned, but the, the love that is from God. That is different. That is about other people, about God himself, and not about me and you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for your graciousness. And um, 
for loving us while we were still enemies with you. And I just pray that this morning um, you will remind us to reassess our lives and refocus and and, uh, and just saying that are we chasing after the wrong things in life? Are we chasing after money or power or uh, influence or sex or whatever it is that, that we have in our lives and that we're pursuing? And, and, and even in our ministry, in our serving of the church, are we uh, serving for the wrong reason, God? Help us to realign ourselves to you and help us to pursue love and, and really go after you and just say, God, fill us with your love so we can love others. And I pray for an encounter uh, this coming week uh, where everyone can really, again, just, just be reminded of how much you love us and so that we can possess this Christ love that you give to all who believe in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.